story that must be told. From beginning to end. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. Here is a story about music. Stories about songs, three wise men records, the label that never was, was, was. Before I moved from Chicago area to work for Rhymesayers, like right before that, I was planning on starting a record label. And the idea came out for a lot of reasons. For one, I had been producing my own home demo since about 85. And, you know, once I got drum machines, particularly the 808, a few years later, that led to other groups wanting me to make beats for them. And so then I got home equipment, you know, four tracks, samplers, and growing and growing all through the 90s, and recording a lot of artists in my house and sometimes in studios. And that production led to me helping with artist development, artist management, trying to get them shows and record deals and all these things. And so, you know, I saw all these different talented artists I was trying to get opportunities for and I wasn't ever able to get someone a record deal. And that was a thing back then. You thought about, you know, you were a rapper, you made a demo and shot the record deal. That's what we heard in all the songs. Please listen to my demo. That was just what we thought was the only way to do it. Even though there was proof, there was other ways to do it, I don't know why I didn't ever think about putting out something on my own. Maybe I thought about it, but I just never did it at least. And I think part of it was, I guess an ego thing is how you would say it. Like, you know, it was the idea that um, putting out yourself felt like no one else wanted you or something. Like, you wanted that validation from record labels. It was like a, something we got sort of fed to us and accepted. Like, to, to really be good, you have to be picked. So I think, I think the idea of, you know, not doing it as an indie label early on was the idea that you felt you need to get picked by record label to be validated. That, like, you know, doing it yourself was like no one else wanted you. So I think that was kind of the idea. But, you know, as the mid-90s, especially the late-90s came into play, the indie label exploded. And I think there's a lot of factors. The Bay Area from the late-80s was a big factor. Everybody loved you. Then Wu Tang in the early 90s kind of took it to a different level. And there are other things I'm sure, but those two, you know, preceding factors probably the biggest things that kind of inspire this whole like indie explosion, indie record labels, then you had indie distributors and online websites and all these combining of timing, technology, and certain artists make all this possible. So I started thinking about releases a little more 
around the late 90s for sure. And I started doing my radio show, which I mentioned a couple times on these um, series, these stories, uh, Time Travel on WNUR. I started on 420.95. Through that, I was constantly connecting with local artists, and also I was buying and getting all these indie rap singles from around the world and I was looking up the back of those records or the label on those records and calling those phone numbers to get more music. And so through that, I was connected to a lot of artists and I was always finding great talent that didn't have an outlet for their music. And so I really started thinking about some ideas about how to help artists. And that was, you know, me connecting them with record labels or distributors or managers or doing it in a variety of different ways. And then the late 90s, early 2000s hit in the CDR craze. It's like now, not just indie singles and um, a few indie albums, but now like anyone with a computer can make a full album at home. You know, there was some like full albums on tape before that for sure, but the CDR thing made it like, you know, like uh, a much bigger thing to have a full length album without a record deal. And so when I was getting a lot of these tapes, homemade tapes and homemade CDRs, I was like, you got artists that are really talented with all this music, they need an outlet. And so that kind of like, you know, inspired me to want to start a record label. The name Three Wise Men Entertainment was something I've been using for a while to put on my mixtape since like the mid 90s. Three wise men coming back, back, back with the style that's an I had this whole concept of like uh, my three different parts of my personality, you know, being like, you know, how it all worked together. I had this whole philosophy for three wise men. So that was like kind of the name, the name idea. I think the kind of turning point once again goes back to my radio show. I had a deal with a local, iconic, very important store, uh, Gramophone Records. Iconic store that, you know, in this time period and, and previous to this time period was known for like dance music. Like, you know, like a lot of like the employees were like a key uh, house DJs on the scene. But as this indie label thing in hip hop broke off, they had a whole section of a giant wall in the back of all hip hop. And that's why I would buy a lot of my records. And you know, the Mole Men will work there, uh, JPNS and Panic worked there, and different people worked there from that crew and other people too. And I worked out a deal with them that if I like um, just said that the records I was playing on the show came from the store, they would give me a, a credit every week. I mean, it was like, I don't know, like $50 a week or something like that. I could get a free records just by saying on the show that I got them there. So that was a great deal, obviously. And then they also let me do another thing where like I had a black binder and I would take it to the store. I left it in the store and it had printouts of the playlist for my radio show. And then there were order forms. So anyone could like go on this book, flip through these hundreds of playlists for years of playlists, pick a show they wanted, you know, flop the information with their name, number, the date of the show, and leave it in the store. And that book, every week I would call, 
someone went to the store would look in the book, tell me what orders I had. I dubbed the tapes. It was a three-hour show, so two 90-minute tapes. And then I bring them in that week. They'd call the customer and they come pick them up. So this long process to get my radio show. And I didn't sell a lot of these things. It was like, I don't know how many I sold, but it was a way to pay for food and gas, getting back and forth to Chicago to get the free records. So it was like making it really completely free at this point. But the kind of extra part of that that's even more crazy to let me do it is that every once in a while, I would put like a way to do mail order for other artists, you know, which was basically taking away sales from the store now that I think about it in hindsight, but they let me do it for whatever reason. I think I did it for a few artists. I was helping out Sage Francis early on with selling stuff when, you know, he was um, doing things in the early 2000s with his rare, like, uh, sick of waiting tables, uh, CDs and tapes. And I helped out Edon early on when he had his his uh, first album, Architecture. And he had this band called Fiber, which is a live band with him as a rapping and a DJ. And he had a few, like, CDR he was trying to sell. So I would, like, have a note in there, like, call this number to reach Edon to buy his thing, or call this to reach Sage. But the main one I know for sure that was in there was uh, a guy out of Baltimore, Lab Tech One. He had this Lab Technology series. So I had um, the order forms for his label in this book too. And that kind of eventually led to me the idea of um, really doing uh, the record label thing. So then, now we're like early 2001, maybe late 2000. I officially was ready to plan a record label. And I, you know, came up with the name, Three Wise Men, and I actually had my first three releases planned. And that was the idea. The idea was I would always announce releases three at a time. And so for my first one, you know, I've been talking to Aesop Rock for a while. I was a big fan of his music. After hearing music for Earthworms, Appleseed and Float at this point and we would talk on the phone occasionally just talk about whatever hip-hop that we love that was my thing I would talk to all these different artists back there on the phone and we would just have these nerd out conversations about lyrics about you know talk for hours about our favorite rappers present and past and Aesop was one of those people and so one thing he had never put Appleseed on vinyl I recall the first time I bumped heads with my head Led to a dead bargain And thanks for nothing, low life And a start of beg my pardon When a dust might harbor spider Barely dense the cicada phase Blades of burden Decorate the backs of freedom fighters Servants make the steeples higher Man the loose cannon Penning for gold Penning for chance to land in camps Branded with push Stamped on their hands Let's push Let's push up through the now Let's evoke a vow of Zip lips clipped to my peaking brow And so I called him up like Hey, I want to start this record label have you ever thought about putting Appleseed on vinyl? He's like, I've thought about it, but just never did it. I was like, I'd love to do it as my first release. If you're down, he's like, I'm completely down to do that. And I was like, well, it'd be dope if we do a double EP and the vocal on one piece of vinyl and the instrumentals on the second piece of vinyl. He's like, that'd be dope. I'm not sure if I have all the beats. Let me look for them, track them down, and get back to you, but I'm definitely down to do it. So bam, that was like a no-brainer. If I could put out an Aesop, he was like, you know, really, you know, after Float, this is Vibrant Float that came out. So right at that point, he was really uh, hot on the scene. So like putting out Apple Seed on Vinyl was going to be a great way to launch my label. So I was excited. 
So, bam, number one was down. So, now I need my second release. And I've been playing music from the Adams Family crew for years on my radio show. talk to he was a, the main one kind of leading the business doing a lot of the production for the crew was cryptic one and so we would have these once again he talks about him singing and lyrics all the time and one day he called me though and told me that two of the members of the group Vorland Vast had formed a group called Cannibal Ox and they were they were in the studio with LP and I was like that sounds crazy like this idea of that was crazy and I'm pretty sure when he called me he told me they had done like three songs in the studio at that point he didn't have copies he couldn't play them for me so all he could do was tell me about the songs I remember like listening to like the descriptions like yo I can't wait to hear it and I'm pretty sure I know one of the songs is Metal Gear Solid that's one of the first songs they did and then I think the other two were Pigeon and Iron Galaxy those were the first three they did with LP and the first three that I heard about and so I knew about this like early on, like pretty much from the day they recorded their first material, I was aware of Canox, so I had to wait for a while. And then finally, when the Cold Band came out, of course, if you heard that album and you love hip hop, probably love that album because it's amazing. So it was great to hear about it and then get to see it come together in that way. And um, there was a moment when they were promoting that album where the Adams Family and the Weightless Crew, Blueprint, Illogic, Greenhouse Effect, uh, came to my radio show. And Vordo had this moment where he just blacked out rapping to the screwed up beat by the, um, produced by the Beat Nuts, a screwball song. He just blacks out off the top of the head. It's a classic freestyle moment for sure on my show and I think in general for that time period. Yeah, that's how we do them. Adam, Fam, and the Wazeless crew, that's how we do them. Yo, yo. Trapped in the this pretty city and why and I get high daily spraying these rats yo dangerous cracks that get caught in traps and feedback flow on tracks and blow dats your cats can't rap like me and mine yo we rap with mics that bleed with lines how we master life and freedom mind trying to escape the tragedies living in between the lines and these Critical times, my mind loose, uh, physical form is losing its mind. Bruising these times, bruising with rats, y'all niggas is losing your cat. When I start spitting, dangerous, my cord start to hang and start strangling rappers. Trash ass thrown in the trash bin. Yo, I stay flowing, full time action. Thrashing with the mic and I'm clashing with titans. Lightning striking, never twice in the same place. And many faces is watching. I'm dropping like cops on the block, stay popping. 
41 shots in the back of Diallo I swallow a hollow bird that disturbs Many pigeons living trapped in the system I rap your religion, I smack madness I'm a broke nigga that loves to choke on moat liquor I flow sicker, you in throat niggas in cold Blenders leaving all competitors choke Yo, I smoke mad duchess Hug up the head and I stay on the clutches A4 spinning, yo, I stay spitting Live and I'm living Just trying to get it on and spit a thorn and split a form and have guns that you can't flow like me dangerously. Touch your spine and design the line, uh, design lines that's divine. Straight go to your spine. We hold these things sacred. Walking through the uh, city and I'm naked. Strapped with no clothes. Well, my flows, it grows. I smoke drove. Represent the O. Cannibal like animals. Handle you slow. Torture devices. Slices. Yo, we the nicest. Pages of ISIS, you better think twice, kid. Niggas ain't nice like me and the family. Adams and the weightless crew. Damage in the MC. Stepping to this, I'm like the exorcist. Head start spinning, vomit. We blaze trees exotic. Straight up from tropics, unknown. Yo, time to leave the motherfucking microphone alone. And I'm dusted. And from that, I was like, you know what? An idea for a solo portal single would be dope. So I was thinking about that for my second release. Around this same time, there were these two groups locally came by my show. Them Bad Apples and Costume. Out of a dilemma, examining your patience, imagine your heart breathing, speaking in perfect cadence. Well, ain't this the same storm you spoke up so freely? Look at your master now, isn't the one that is kneeling? I'm healing your dreaming inside of your feeling. I'm needing some reasons for why you are leaving. A moment of silence is all that's required. Dig within your sorrow, and that's where you're inspired. And they both have the same producer, a guy called Maker. 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 fell in love with Maker's production. So it occurred to me, because one thing about Vordo is like when he's on the right kind of beat, that's when he really finds the pocket. LP found that, and that, that screwball beat captured that. And I noticed that the Maker beats uh, had a similar feel that would fit with his flow. And so I went to um, Vordo, I told him, hey, I got this guy who I think is perfect for the beats. I'm gonna get three beats for you, know, for you and send me your way. He's like, I trust you, I'm in, send me the beats, we can do this. He was totally easy to work with, no questions. Went to Maker, told him what was up. He was like, really? No, I love that record, no doubt. Let's let's do it. So like, he gave me the beats. And so there, boom, I had my uh, second release locked in and good to go. And you know, so like, you know, starting off with a stop going to Vordo, who's on the heels of a uh, the people already were calling classic with the cold vein, like soon as it dropped, I had a promising start. So I figured right around then, 
I can now dig in and put out an artist that no one knows about. And so there's a local group that really caught my attention called Monkey Wrench Factory. How I heard about Monkey Wrench was there was a producer in Chicago called Moab, M-O-A-B. He gave me a production CD with some groups he was working with and some beats of his. It had um, um, 90 Proof, Low Tech, and some others, including Monkey Wrench Factory. And so this, this production CD was just dope, and I was playing it on my radio show, and I was mainly playing the Monkey Wrench songs. And um, the two guys in Monkey Wrench, IQ and Cooley, were also members of 90 Proof as well but they just had their own separate thing as a Monkey Ridge Factory. So I was playing these songs on the radio, you know, particularly a song called Mango. Mango is the feeling you get when you grow. It's so orgasmic, orgasmic, minor hands in hip-hop. Forever lasting is a product of thee. To everybody stressing mortgages and babies to be. Them no worry, we, the Monkey Ridge Factory, exactly the opposite of linen and things. Business and rings never had a purpose for me. To feel good vibes alive Peace to everybody working hard to survive To raise the young like God raised the sun The mental elevation is high Like a named Ty Every occasion craving mango Blazing tracks for your Durango Making beats and rhyming Asking myself They say brilliance has a godly resemblance Minutes like days in attention Hallways paved through separate dimensions Ancient letters, four letter words and better Illustrates the hard times But this rhymes forever It's just mango is the They had a song called Hardware, uh, Tools of the Trade, which became their album title name later on, a few years later. Um, they had a song called Mechanics with Nedimo from Rubber Room, who I was already a big fan of. So uh, after playing these songs, somewhere in there, I got in touch with the group themselves and was expressing my love for the music. And then I told them, hey, I know you're working on your own album to put out on CD. Do you have plans for vinyl? And they had no plans for vinyl yet. I'm like, let me do a single or an EP of some songs from the album. And they were like, that sounds like a great idea. So bam, three wise men had their first three releases. Now it's time to put them out. It's like, it's like everything out there that seems so corrupted. The monkey wrench factory is here to disrupt it. We're here to disrupt it. But obviously it was a label that never was. So what happened? What happened? What happened? First off, Aesop Rock hit me back pretty much. I feel like it was right after I got this last group in place and I was like, okay, time to start thinking about money, timing, all these things. And people might not know this. Right before Aesop signed the Def Jooks, he almost put out a single with Rhyme Sayers. He had discussed it with the label, and it was going to be a three-song single. One of those songs, the lead song, was going to be Daylight. It was originally going to be on Rhyme Savers. You know, it was a it was a strong idea that hadn't been fully locked in. There hadn't been like a, a contract signed or anything like that. It was just like an idea that was being worked out. In the midst of that being worked out, he got signed to Def Jokes with LP. So, he you know, part of what he used for that deal was some of those songs that he also was talking about, I don't know the specifics, but somehow those songs ended up being on Labor Days rather than ever coming out of Rhyme Sayers because he ended up pulling all of his music to 
focus on getting the album out right away, which made sense. So in the same thing, when he called me, he was like, hey, I just got this deal of Def Jokes, which I was, that, that's dope. It makes sense. You, you fit in that, you know, right there in that aesthetic. Um, but he's like, I want to put a hold on any other side projects, you know, so I can focus on this new album with Def Jokes. And I was like, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, and I'm, I support that 100%. He was like, you know, we probably can do the Appleseed thing later, like after this album's out for a while. And, you know, you know, when things die down, I was like, perfect, we'll come back to it. I got other releases I can focus on. Do your thing. So, bam, that was fine. So I started thinking about, well, I got to either find another release of that caliber or do I trust him? Because now now the Ken Ox thing is even bigger. It's like the, 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 the response is still growing. I'm like... Maybe just coming out with a Vortal Solo 12-inch is strong enough to lead it. And that come with two unknown groups. And there was actually another group that I had my mind on for a fourth release. It was a guy called Altruism. Yeah, I'm trying to reach the point where it's no secret I'm dope. And folks will go peep the release like Matrix 3's opening weekend at the box office. I can't work at a cubicle box office. But until that drop in my coffin or cremating remains, my need for cream remains. But sometimes I drink that cup of coffee and the cream remains at the bottom. Rather than rising, no, for whatever reason, despite all the fat content, which is elated in me being anonymous. Can't get with a big five conglomerate, I'm not wanted yet. Uh-uh. Nah, I don't want it yet and yet. Today I say my favorite shade of light is lime. But that grass might not be so green when I stand on the other side of the street. He was doing demos with a guy called Kaz Uno, Kaz One, and he had an ill voice, a dope rhyming style, the beats were really good, and I was thinking about approaching them for a project. So I was thinking maybe I could um, do that, Vortal, Monkey Wrench, and Altruisms with Kaz Uno. And they gave me like nine or ten songs, and I was a fan of pretty much all of them, and I was playing them on the show a lot. The song called Nine Digit Number, uh, Escape Desired. Pouring out coffee from our unborn homies, mirrors trying to see, proof of the theorem, rockets red glare. These all these songs were the ones I was playing that were just like, man, amazing songs. And so that was a priority for me to get that out at some point on the label. So that was my option, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that or get another known artist. In the midst of me trying to make that decision, Vortal disappeared. I got the beats from Maker. I can't remember if I mailed them to him or I called him to get his address so I could mail them to him. I can't remember exactly what it happened, but somewhere in there, I had the beats for sure. Still have the beat CD to this day. And I couldn't reach Vortal. And that's when I found out about the situation where he was like off the scene for a while. And if you listen to um, the B-side cut from Cannibal Octopus, I think it's the F-word 12 inch. Um, there's a song on there called Life's Ill. It's only um, vast air and has breezy room from the juggernauts. And Vortal's not on it. And Vast speaks about the situation on that record. And it's, you know, basically uh, took Vortal off the scene for a few months. So, with that in mind, now I lost also my second release. I didn't feel confident coming out with two unknown artists. So I was like, okay, I need to find something to kind of make this uh, strong again. While trying to find that new thing, I got offered a job at Rhyme Sayers.
which is something that had been kind of in the works for a while, but I didn't believe it was real. Sadiq had approached me at one of a, a show like in Chicago at the Metro, one of the shows we used to do with um, Rhyme Stairs in the Metro. And he just said, hey, I really appreciate the, the help you've done with the, with the label helping us out here in Chicago. He gave us some great connections and, and things like that. If we ever get big enough, you know, to hire another person, I want to hire you next. At the time, there weren't, I had no indie labels that had a staff. Like every indie label I knew, there was like one Two people working, the artists worked there, and that was it. And at this point at Rhyme Sayers, it was Sadiq, uh, Jay Bird was already there. And I'm like, they already have a full staff. They can't hire other people. This is independent rap. So I thought it was just him being kind. I never actually thought I would get a job. Um, but when he called, it was kind of perfect because I was looking for a place to move to. I was planning to leave Illinois. I, I actually was looking heavily at Canada. I went to Toronto like three or four times. I was trying to go visit Halifax in Nova Scotia. And I, I was really thinking about moving to Canada and or just somewhere. I just couldn't find that place. So when Minneapolis came, it didn't really take much to um, convince me to move there, especially when I was a fan of Rhyme Sayers and what they were doing. So I was like, this makes sense. So once I moved to uh, Minneapolis, it felt like a conflict of interest to work at a label and start my own record label so that idea just sort of went away. And so I tried to find another way to get back into working with groups again. Like, for example, when I moved to Minneapolis, one of the things that I did was uh, Sadiq and Jordan Daly, also who works at Rhyme Sayers now, they did an event at Dinky Towner, which was like the main, one of the main hubs of like hip hop events at this time. Like a lot of shows were happening there. Um, they had a thing called Central Elements, and Sadiq let me take over his spot, so me and Jordan did it. And so one of the groups I booked was the Monkey Wrench Factory. Came to Minneapolis, did a great show. Like, man, their stage show was crazy too. Like, they had like a dude doing martial arts with a sword live on stage. Hold on, why the abominations of Earth coerce to exist the worst? Outbursts of a mad scientist at risk the universe. Alert the masses for destruction, core corruption, nuclear wars that do erupt when they push the button. Heavy artillery for sudden impact off the contact, shedding blood and laser slugging. Got us bug with hidden gadgetry under surveillance. Systematically, the after me is hard in my reality. Strategy strapped like ads. In fact, they got us trapped like they sanctioned off Iraq. Devils are packed, poverty stricken, devil attack. I'm a rebel, black suited and soldier, give us intact. The more tangible expression of an invisible force to create a communication in a hip hop form. From the norm to the unimaginable, extreme left wing. I'm fascinated by this communist. And you can find the music online. The album, Tools of the Trade, is available. I, I think it's available on Bandcamp. They eventually came out with the album. Well, they finished the album, but I don't think it ever officially came out. There was some kind of problem with the pressing plant, and they didn't get the actual CDs, but someone at the plant knew me and knew I was a fan, so they just sent me a box of the CDs, and I believe the rest got destroyed. So I think I had, may have had the only box of Monkey Wrench Factory CDs ever is my understanding but maybe that's not true um so there's at least 30 of them in the world that i sold and gave away and get things with just to, to get them out there so like i definitely would say look for it tools of the trade by the monkey winch factory uh it's a great record for that like 2002 era and one of the guys in the group uh coolly passed away 
um, 2012, so rest in peace. He was super cool people, super talented. Uh, the other M MC in the group and producer, IQ, now known as Knock Beats, N-O-C-H, Beats, all one word. Still makes music, still makes great music. He's on Bandcamp, and you can find him um, on there with that 90 Proof album they did, and also a solo record of his called Mustard Seed that's real dope. So uh, shout out to Knock Beats and the whole Monkey Wrench Factory um, for sure. And also, I want to shout out Altruisms and Kaz Uno because all those songs they gave me back then, um, those demos, none of them were released. Um, Altruism, Altruisms did eventually release an album on Gravel Records, which is where he may have dropped these unreleased demos on CD. I was trying to release the vinyl version if they didn't do if they didn't do vinyl on Three Wise Men. Um, so shout out to Tim Stroh of Gravel Records. But the album he put out with them was called Cluster Bombs, and that was in 2008, so like five, six years after those demos they gave me. And one of the tracks from those demos did make the album, uh, Rocket's Red Glare, that was produced by Maker, actually. And it's different, though. It's the same beat, but different lyrics, and I happen to prefer the original anyway. But that in mind, um, on those original demos, most of the beats were Kaz Uno, but there were a few other producers, like I mentioned, Maker, um, Foul Intellected, I think one song, I believe a guy called Max Beats, but it was mostly uh, Kaz Uno behind the beats. And like I said, it's something that I always thought was really good and surprised never came out beyond a few ears that may have heard them back then. And so I've been thinking recently about how uh, to change that and maybe see those demos come out. So uh, I'll, I'll dig in the, in the vaults and knock on some doors and see what can happen for the future. All Truisms, Kazuno, and the other peeps involved with that project. Three wise, 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 three wise. I was lost at birth, all I wanna do is cross the earth 
become an extrovert, a bit more muscular. Have lots of girls teach me to control my lust and urge, and muster up the nurse to trust in her. I'm just a nerd, putts in a herd, not sure what to unlearn. Someone else's passenger, so of course I toss and turn. A philosopher walk around slashed and slurred with a dulcimer and dunce cap and binoculars to watching birds. My body clock turns for the cough and the urn. I'm often spurned. That's why my thoughts are cursed. My just deserts, justice hurts, but the new must emerge from the wreckage of what's occurred. And if you're listening now, I guess the first shot's been heard. So discuss the verse, drink it in, be the straw that stirs. But recognize that while I'm hot enough to make a walk, my burn and leave rappers out of work. My daily grind has gotten worse, a lot more disturbed. Or are you not concerned? I'm not self-assured. I cost and curse with rusted nerves. Have old friends talking about that guy just doesn't learn. And even as I make this music that my life affirms and get props from you and yours, I'm left to wonder what's it worth. I try to remain inspired inside of my lake of fire, razor wire, flaming fire, brain environment. Escape desired. I try to remain inspired inside of my lake of fire, razor wire, flaming fire, brain and fire, brain and fire. Brain and fire. Tortured, rotten apple in the orchard Vision distorted, morbid face contorted the Portrait of a private fifth class soldier of misfortune Trying to tough it out Like Washington Twitter troops at Valley Forge And morphing to a force absorbed with thwarting corporate war pigs A roach in the fallout But you keep calling work and I might lose my head And turn murderous like the horseman Illinois might kill me like Joseph Smith leading the Mormons yes, My mom sarcastically asked my pops While at 21, two weeks has been their son's longest courtship My house has no mirth like Edith Wharton My art's been in a hundred foster homes But remains an orphan while you try to uncork Chris and get endorsements I try to get my rhymes anthologized by Norton Sure, I want my portion But I do it for the endorphins And it's not like I have any other reason not to go and forfeit Maybe it's worth it, maybe it makes this song important But I wish my peace of mind wasn't cut off with my foreskin I try to remain inspired Inside of my lake of fire, razor wire, flaming fire, brain environment Escape desired I try to remain inspired Inside of my lake of fire, razor wire, flaming fire, brain environment fire, brain environment for my date of experiment.